FASWA is a podcast about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit saswhat.com. This is Saswa, a podcast about Bigfoot. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined tonight by my pal, Mark Matsky. Greetings from Northeast Ohio, from uh, the hills east of the Sasquatch Mecca of CVMP. Oh, my. I never thought of that. Hey, we need to do dinner in the next like week down at Fisher's. Ooh. I don't know if this week will work. I mean, I'm sure this is something we can discuss off, <laughs> off air. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's so, talk dates right now. <laughs> dates, times. Uh, yeah, so so uh, this is our first show back uh, following our extended break for the uh, uh, Christmas and New Year holiday season. And um, we, we've been mulling over discussion topics, obviously. And then I realized we haven't done... Last year we did a big... Year in review spectacular, so we wanted to revisit that um, and talk about all the stuff that happened in the world of Bigfoot. Of course, last year, you know, we had Todd Standing and uh, other things. I can't even remember what all <laughs> what all we talked about hmm. last year. All the gossip, the Bigfoot gossip. Yeah, that, that um, took up a lot of it. It did, and it, that was like one of our. We got some crazy response on that show. Not crazy, like insane, but. <laughs> if I remember right, it was pretty positive. You know, yeah. one thing is I was going through our, our Sasquatch inbox the other day, and I came across this letter that came in right after that show where a guy just berated us. I don't think I shared it with you. Oh. Or maybe I did. He said, uh, I mean, he just called us all sorts of names and stuff. So I was like, man, what did we say? Yeah. Like on Skookum the, on the, and... Yeah. Yeah. Oma. He called, yeah. Yeah. So many. <laughs> so many names. <laughs> Grass men. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's really offensive, actually. Uh, oh. Yeah, that's why I never read it on the show. No, but um, so tonight we're going to yeah kind of catch up. And so, so before we get into that, how was your Christmas? I should say we actually got to see each other. Yes. Um, that was and, fun. And, yeah. yeah, and after we left, I was like, I can't believe we didn't snap a selfie or something to prove that we were actually together. We were just so in the moment. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we were hugging a lot. I mean, we we actually sat in the restaurant with our arms around each other. So, uh, no, but we got to hang out for a little, and and you brought Sue and Andy and uh, your mom and dad. It was awesome. Yeah. So, and that was my second time to get to hang out with your parents for any extended length of time because mm-hmm. the other time was when they came to the. Uh, oh, what library was that? I Brun- believe it was no, Willoughby Brunswick. Hills. Willoughby Public Hills, Library? yeah. I got I got to call Willoughby Hills because they really wanted to have us back, and uh, I got a bunch of library requests in the last week. We scheduled four library presentations for next summer already. Nice. Um, we're going to be showing Beast of Whitehall kind of all around the state of Ohio. It sounds mm-hmm. like right now, um, which I I honestly I prefer that to the big like theater screenings. Um, just because it's, I don't know, it's more intimate and people get really into it. And you can, afterward, you stand around and talk and it's yeah. just a lot of fun. Um, like so the instant Q&A is probably yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. 
Definitely. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So we're going to schedule a bunch of that stuff, but I should get back to Willoughby Hills, if nothing else, just to see your, your parents. Yeah. Um, all right, so so Christmas, how was your Christmas? Get any like really good loot? Really good loot. Yeah, you know what? I got, this is very obscure, but it made me very happy. It was a Blu-ray set of a Japanese film series called Zatoichi, The Blind Swordsman. Yeah. Yeah, I got it's I the Criterion it. collection. Yeah. I have the Blu-rays, so I'm just that was sort of the ultimate gift this year. And so just, is Zatoichi is either a big influence, I can't remember who it is. Is that would that be Tarantino? Oh yeah, like uh parts of Kill Bill are heavily okay. influenced by Zatoichi, no doubt. Okay, that's why then. Yeah. All right. Uh I'm a huge Kill Bill fan. I'm not a big Tarantino fan necessarily. Well, I guess I am. <laughs> I say that, but then I think about yeah. his repertoire, and I'm like, well, I, there really isn't anything I straight up hate. I didn't really love Django, um, but I I really like Inglorious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all kind of fun, you know. Whatever. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's. Just, let's just oh, talk and about I got a Darth movie. Vader sweatshirt also. Did you? Yes. Is it is is it like the one that Andy? Yeah, essentially. Was sporting. Yep. Just yeah. for a quote unquote grown up. Yeah. For a kid That's off. awesome. <laughs> I got I got like a ton of film stuff. Like um, you know, it's film film gear is extremely expensive. So I asked for I my entire wish list this year was like film gear. So I got I got some cool stuff. You know that'll help out. Uh, actually, one of the kits. Uh, my wife bought me a. Uh, three-point lighting kit that's fantastic. It'll be great for Boggy. Um, so, and just to have my kit will be great. But, like, mm-hmm. that was pretty much what I got. I don't know. In terms of fun, I got Star Wars on Blu-ray, the original trilogy. Oh, yes. And I've already watched all those. Um, Aren't those fantastic now, on Blu-ray? I mean, they like- really are. The crazy thing to me is anytime they're on Tatooine... Uh, the detail you notice in the backgrounds and stuff. I don't know why specifically Tatooine, but anytime they're on, you know, in the desert, I can really pick out details that I've never seen before. So it's it's really cool. Now, yeah. before we get into it, we have not talked about this on the show. So what did we did in person? What did you think of Force Awakens? Well, I thought it was perfect, really, in its own way. Mm. Um. I like the parallels to episode four. Yeah. And all I thought the principal actors, um, you know, Ray and Finn were just perfectly cast in a way mm-hmm. that maybe the... I'm not a prequel hater, but the the prequels I thought suffered a little bit from casting. And these <laughs> this, this movie did not. Yeah. So yeah. it was just... It was a great experience. I've seen it three times and I want to I would see it again if anybody suggested hey let's go see it yeah. I'd be in. well hey man it's Saturday night how about we meet somewhere in between in about two hours <laughs> um, I want to see it a, in IMAX is it too late for me is it going to go from IMAX quickly I think you can still see it at Crocker Park which is not far from either of us okay and I would I, I'm going to highly recommend that we try to make that happen Okay. Um, Because I would love to go up there. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, I saw it too, and I'm kind of on the same page as you. Although when I first saw it, I was the only one in our group who was kind of picking it apart. I wasn't picking it apart, I don't think, but there were things that bothered me. Um, and then I saw it a second time, and a lot of the things that bothered me just went away. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't. I don't think it's a perfect movie, and I can see flaws in it. But I can see flaws in every Star Wars movie. Like for sure. me, it's all about the universe and getting to go to this place and be there and live there yeah. for a couple hours and. Uh, this one did that, and uh, and uh, you know, obviously, I feel like it's better than all the prequels. And like you, I'm not a prequel hater, but um, I just felt like this was better than any other prequels. Better than I don't know. I haven't decided. Like I, I, I would have a hard time finding where I would place it in the entire canon right now. But I, yeah. I definitely feel like it's a lot better than the prequels. And uh, I love the characters. That's mm-hmm. one of the big th- things for me. Is you know. It, the prequels suffer from the fact that I don't care about a lot of those characters, um, or at least the way they're played. I love Obi-Wan, and that's kind of the only character that I genuinely love. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this, I kind of loved everyone. I mean, I thought Finn was fantastic, and I loved yeah. Ray, and I loved mm-hmm. Poe Dameron, and I love Ky- emo Kylo Ren. I cannot... <laughs> Get enough of emo <laughs> Kylo Ren. I can't. I really can't. I think he is going to be one of the most fascinating characters to watch them develop him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. this is a show about Bigfoot, right. and I have a feeling if we keep going, <laughs> this is just going to keep going on. Hold on a second here. i got to flip my audio down slightly. Okay. Okay. I, yeah, I do have to say, while. have you seen that battle between lonely Luke Skywalker? Yes. And- yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, it's fantastic. That is. Yeah, cape I serves just, no purpose. <laughs> I just started following them today, actually, and I don't know why I wasn't already, but yeah. Um, it's been, honestly, it's been fun just to be back into something, some sort of fandom for me like this. Mm-hmm. Like, you stay pretty involved in, in your fandoms, even though I think over the past year you've been so busy, I don't know how you've kept up with anything. I'm sure you have, but I don't know how mm-hmm. involved you've felt over the last like year. But for me, I kind of have been so busy over the last year that I feel like I slipped off of everything. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a huge, all my life I've been a huge Star Wars fan and a big comic book fan and you know, all that stuff, and I haven't done any of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I dropped my comic podcast and all that stuff. Like, but it's been fun just to get back into some sort of fandom for a short period of time. Yeah, well, I mean, my, this my movie, only fandom. I, I sort of like the perfect demographic for this film because I was four, maybe five years old when I saw the original in the theater with my dad, and you know, it just I'm right on that curve of having seen the first one and now. Being, you know, it really, really took me back to that experience. I know that's sort of a cliche at this point for a whole big group of people, but yeah, you know, there's that just that one scene where Han Solo steps into the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon again, mm-hmm. and that sort of is like an epitome of the whole thing. I think for those long-term fans, it's like, yeah, yeah, you are back in that world, and it's really yeah. an awesome experience. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I'm in the mood to see it again. So that's saying something right there. Mm-hmm. Although I, I had to say over the holiday, I did see my favorite movie of 2015. Yes, which was shockingly enough, the movie Creed, not mm-hmm. the band. Uh, the movie Creed, <laughs> Scott which, Stapp's autobiography. Yeah, it's just a fantastic uh, <laughs> look inside the world of a terrible uh, rock band. Um, but anyway, uh, oh man. 
Creed the movie was unbelievable. Uh, just unbelievable. I don't even I haven't had an emotional connection with a movie like that uh in in ages. I can't remember the last time I emotionally connected with a movie on that level. And I think some of it is just like you know, it's like an underdog story kind of and you're just rooting for this guy the whole movie and mm-hmm. the, but the fights are so well done and again, this is a Bigfoot podcast and <laughs> And obviously, Creed stars uh, Bigfoot. Yeah, so, he's in it. Yeah, I read well, that Star, somewhere. Star Wars at least has Chewbacca. Yeah, uh, Creed. I don't. You know, that's, I can't. You know what? That's something for another show. I think mm-hmm. we need to talk about the Chewy connection because there's something yeah. there. But the Chewy okay. connection that'll be the title of the episode. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, this is yeah, the Creed, Creed connection. Cre- this is Creed connection <laughs> with Scott Stapp. Um, <laughs> He's going to come on in a minute, and I'm going to sing my acoustic cover of Can You Take Me Higher. Um, all right, let's 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 move on. So we have letters, a couple letters, and then we're going to talk about, we're going to kind of talk about some of the big non-stories of <laughs> Bigfoot yeah. in 2015. So uh, why don't you start, I'm going to let you read these letters, because when I read, I just, I stumble over myself, and it sounds pathetic. So we have this letter from Alexander uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I'm not even going to try. Okay. But Alexander wrote an awesome letter, and I want you to read that. All right. The you subject. don't have to read the whole thing, so if you want to try to edit somewhat, I mean, it's a long one, so okay. it's up to you. If you, All if right. you. If you don't see spots where you can cut it, then just go for it. All right. If I just get in the flow, man. Man, just Look ride, out. ride that wave. <laughs> so this is like point break. <laughs> yeah. All right. The subject is Gorilla Mythos. I absolutely love the cryptozoology portion of the world. I am very much a man of reason and science. In fact, as a person who loves and is horrified by the death of storytelling and storytellers, I utterly bemoan the lack of mystery we have in this world today. Yes, there may be less and less blank spots on the map, but that still doesn't allow for us to invent stories whole cloth just to make some other stories sound better. Excuse my preamble, but I did feel it necessary to preface my thesis, gorillas, and their scientific discovery. Can we all please stop professing, proffering, and pushing forward this notion that gorillas weren't recognized by science until the 1940s or 1950s, or whatever date pseudoscientists who call into the podcast I so love would have you believe? I keep hearing this trope. Well, you know, if the gorilla could go unrecognized slash undiscovered slash unknown until just a few decades ago, any cryptid, particularly a North American giant upright ape, is possible. Here's the quick facts on this. Gorillas have been, quote-unquote, known to Africans, of course, for as long as Africans have shared space. They have been known to the Western world since the Phoenicians first sailed near Africa millennia ago, Beyond that, more modern tales existed from early trips to the African coastal trading communities. Even further, they've been absolutely empirically, they have been categorized by science since 1847. Savage, the scientist, not a descriptor. That's 1847, not 1947, and certainly not a mystery upon being categorized. 1847 is simply the year when they were classified according to the scientific classification system of kingdom, phylum, class, and so on. Wherever this inane notion came from, that science in the Western world was unaware of the gorillas until the middle 20th century, it should be put to bed once and for all. In the age of instant knowledge availed to all of us, there really is no excuse for continued existence of such mythology. Now, if I can only find a good way to express just how much of an outlier the coelacanth really is. Keep up the great work, 
Please, please do push forward the facts. Bigfootery has enough great stories without winding up the truth of science with the mythology of the uninformed. Alex, the editor of Aptus Health. Um, I, I'm one of the idiots that has propagated this, uh, this gorilla. Uh, thank you for shaking your head. Are you um, thoroughly chastened? I, he because got me. <laughs> you he got, he got me real removed good. and taken out behind the woodshed. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with what he's saying, though. Like, this kind of thing, especially in, in Bigfootdom, um, people hear a statistic or a fact. I mean, this happens all over the place. Um, you know, like, we're talking about this making a murder documentary before we started recording, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that are just automatically convinced that this guy that's the main focus of that documentary is innocent. And he might be like, it's a really fascinating documentary, but they're like trumpeting and echoing stats and things, scenes in that show that I'm a hundred percent sure, you know, are a storytelling method, not necessarily well, 100% true fact that you have to take, you know, as gospel without doing any research for yourself. So we tend to do that a lot in the Bigfoot world. And the gorilla is a perfect example because I've heard that stat and then I've echoed it. And now I've been put in my place uh, by Alex, and and I I do think that's a problem. It's it's lazy on all of our parts, honestly. Mm-hmm. To not anytime we hear anything, and if we're going to use it as a part of our argument, we need to double check it. We need to fact check everything we say. I think that's true, really, of any topic. You know, I think I don't want to. I could easily go philosophical on this. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't think now's the time. But mm-hmm. I think that's the case of anything, and maybe the internet and social media has only made that a million times worse, where, you know, in order to get people to cl- click your link, you make unsubstantiated claims, and, you know, the it, research is not high on that list. Right. You just have six reasons why something is wrong or bad, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, that's a—but, you, you know— it, looking directly at the Bigfoot topic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's been, you know, I'm sure all of us, anyone interested in the topic has parroted something that later on has turned out to be patently false, but because we read it in some book or heard it from somebody whose opinion we respect, then we just turn around without, you know, without vetting it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We do it. And the gorilla, Perfect. it's a convenient thing, the gorilla, because it's just as he says in the letter, it, it, it puts forth the idea that something that big could exist without detection. Mm-hmm. And that's really what, what a Bigfoot enthusiast, I won't even say a believer, but a Bigfoot mm-hmm. enthusiast wants to believe that something that big can go largely undetected most of the time. Because you have to believe that or think that that's plausible in order to allow for the existence of it right yeah no i agree and the perfect example is like when i got into all this uh, i was very interested in the idea of the wild man and the historical bigfoot reports and what i found from my own research was actually more in favor of the existence of bigfoot than the wild man reports that i had starting started out kind of researching uh, from the beginning, because I had always heard those wild man reports as being like a great, you know, a great piece of evidence that might point to Bigfoot. And personally, I came to find out that most wild man reports to me 
don't read like a Bigfoot report or anything similar at all, but we have all these reports of apes, upright walking apes, um, and I find that much more interesting. Apes, uh, skunk men, bear men, that kind of thing. I find that a lot more fascinating. So do your own research. You never know, you know, what you might find along the way. It might not even dissuade you from from the subject of Bigfoot. It might actually help to bolster your, you know, I don't want to say belief, but maybe your opinion that this thing could be based in some sort of fact. I have found myself now, we, we talk every now and then, and this might be better. Actually, you know what? I'm going to save this for the for the year in review episode for when we get into that. So let's get on to the next. I'm going to write this down so I don't forget it. Let's get on okay. to the next letter. But can I ask you something real quick about what you yeah. said? Mm-hmm. The Wild Men reports, what did you find in regard to those then? That it was mostly that it favored just a truly like a feral human or like a, like um, a yeah, God, just yeah. a guy out in the woods, like a hermit type. That thing. was what I came to find out. Most of them seem like a probably um, deranged or, you know, just mentally uh, handicapped individual that went off to live alone in the wild, or maybe just someone who hates humanity mm-hmm. and they were living alone out in the woods or, um, in some cases, it was outright racism. You know, like someone someone was referred to. I mean, that's the, one of the things you have to be really careful about with the ape sightings, too. Mm-hmm. But um, the for the most part, you know, anytime I would look up a wild man story, it, look through your historical Bigfoot book, too. I, I've even caught cases in there that are like it. But it's typically the person's referred to as the wild man in question is referred to as either wearing pants or like chasing people with you know, a spear or, I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, using tools, building fires, all that kind of thing that points more toward a type of human. Whereas you do have an abundance of reports of upright apes um, that seem much more in line with, you know, what we consider to, to be a Bigfoot report. And I'm not necessarily saying that either of them are actually factual because they might, every one of those stories could be made up. But if you're going to follow a line of you know, research, I think, look into those ape reports. Mm-hmm. Just my personal opinion. Yeah, and the word gorilla does come into play in those, too, as mm-hmm. a descriptor. Yeah, definitely, especially in the early 1920s, 1930s. Uh, letter. We have one letter. more. This one is in regard to the book The Long Walk. Uh, dear Seth and Mark, I was interested. Oh, boy, here we go. Can I just say the name of the book? <laughs> I was interested to hear mention of the book, The Long Walk, (laughs) on the last show. Uh, The author's account has long been a favorite amongst Yeti researchers and enthusiasts and often cited as the quote-unquote real deal due to the nature of the rest of the book. Unfortunately, Sorry, this falls in perfectly with what we were just talking about. This is masterful. Yeah. Okay. There are major question marks over the veracity of the account, which was actually... Ghost written by a British writer, Ronald Downing, thank goodness. I think it is probably unwise to cite the book too strongly as evidence for the Yeti. From the time of its publication, 1956, there have been questions about the authenticity of the book, mostly based upon the account of surviving for 12 days without water crossing the Gobi Desert, a virtually unprecedented feat of endurance, and his descriptions of the geography and customs of the Himalayas, which seem remarkably inaccurate for someone who had actually been there. Critics included adventurer Peter Fleming, brother of Ian Fleming, who had extensive knowledge of Soviet Asia and China, 
the Himalayan mountaineer Eric Shipton, and Hugh E. Richardson, who served as a British diplomat in Lhasa, Tibet. In 2006, BBC Radio 4 produced a documentary on the book and the controversy, in the course of which the producers obtained Soviet-era documents which showed that the author had been released under the general amnesty for Polish prisoners negotiated in 1942 and then traveled directly to Iran. From there, he also recorded as having rejoined the Polish army and traveled to Palestine. This clearly contradicts the account in The Long Walk, which ultimately rests solely with the author. I believe it was these problems that led to Peter Weir's film, The Way Back, which started life as a straightforward movie version of The Long Walk, gradually distancing itself from the book to become a wholly fictional story. Interestingly enough, similar questions also apply to the similar account of the German soldier Cornelius Rost, whose account of escape from a Siberian gulag formed the basis of Joseph Martin Bauer's 1955 book, As Far As My Feet Will Carry Me. Linda Willis's 2010 book, Looking for Mr. Smith, provides a good overview of the story of The Long Walk and the questions about its authenticity based upon her own 10 years of research. Where this leaves the book is anybody's guess. The most parsimonious explanation is that the author and Downing simply made the whole thing up. But the author does seem to have been a genuine prisoner of the NKVD, and he did stick to his story. Perhaps the apparent errors are simply a result of the appalling physical and mental condition he and his companions were in. Okay. In later life, he was Hold apparently on. extremely concerned that the Soviets would take retribution against him, so it is possible that he used a false name. Um, Let's hop just, on hop yeah. on down. Like, there's this, uh, the paragraph that starts, why such a strange account of Yetis? Yeah. Yep. And then read from there to the bottom. Okay. Why such a strange account of Yetis was included in a book which is generally realistic in tone and quite harrowing in places is anybody's guess. Of course, some see its sheer outlandishness as proof of its authenticity. Why include such a story in a book like this if it wasn't true? However, I think it is worth remembering that in 1956, Britain was in the throes of what can only be called Yeti mania. Following the conquest of Everest in 1953, Britain became fascinated with all things Himalayan, including the Yeti, and anything related to the hairy hominid attracted enormous attention. The Daily Mail-sponsored Stoner Izzard Yeti hunting expedition to the... Himalayas in 1954, literally received sackfuls of fan mail at its base camp and made superstars of Stoner and Izzard, who had both published their accounts of the expedition in 55. Given this fascination with all things Yeti, I think the Yeti encounter might simply have been added to the long walk as an extra selling point, probably by Downing. Whatever the truth of the book, I think it's probably best to read the long walk as a kind of novel, and it is a gripping and powerful one, and best to avoid using it as quote-unquote evidence for the existence of the Yeti. I hope this was of help and interest. I love the show. I look forward to the next episode. Warm regards, Sefton. Uh, that was awesome. This is so falling right in line with what we just were talking about before, it's just research it. Because I've, I've heard this brought up many times as being evidence of, you know, Yeti or Bigfoot. And I don't know anything about the book and had never taken the time to actually research it. So that's good to know, I guess. It brings up this facet of eyewitness accounts or just first, second-hand reportage, which is, you know, what was mentioned in the letter. And that is this idea of 
it's so outlandish that who could make something up like that? Yeah. But clearly, people can make up outlandish things. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's yeah. become, you know, the more that we have done this, the more that I have, you know, it, it been challenged in some of my own ways of thinking about eyewitness reports and accounts, and especially this idea that the more crazy and outlandish it is, that somehow buys it greater credence. Uh, not, I mean, on one hand, I understand the argument, but on the other, people are capable of making up very, very complex worldviews that are completely detached from reality. Mm-hmm. So the complexity or the strangeness of it, on one hand, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's hard to imagine something like that happening, but on the other does it make it, is it anything so outlandish as to be, you know, unmake I don't think so, really. Right. I mean, look at even uh, even Hollywood's most unimaginative products. <laughs> yeah. Somebody still made that stuff up, even the details in it, and threw stuff yeah. in there. So I don't know mm-hmm. how persuasive that really is anymore, at least for me. We are born storytellers, I think. Uh, most people, anyway. Mm-hmm. It's just how good you are at it. Um, this did bring me to a point, though, I wanted to make, just to get us over to the beginning of our, our year in review. Um, our listeners need special attention in this episode because we have uh, just an incredible, especially people that write letters to us, other than that guy who chewed us out uh, that I was talking about earlier. Uh, our listeners are extremely articulate and knowledgeable and intelligent people and this is something i've noticed uh about sasweat listeners and uh especially those that write in so we've we've gotten a lot of letters this year from uh george theodosis we've mentioned him before and alexander actually has written in a couple other times um robert rocheford who i have actually met cool guy graham brownlow is the guy that wrote the huge economics yeah uh uh, I almost called it a diatribe, but I don't think that, no. <laughs> I think that's proper. Uh, Craig Benke, Eric Nyquist, just a ton of people that have taken the time, and I'm sure I left dozens of you off, people that have taken the time to send us uh, letters this year, and all of them are usually very well written and intelligent and thoughtful, and um, <clears throat> so we like that. We I, th- I think we've kind of cultivated a cool sort of crowd that surrounds this show where it's it's you know it's i don't know that i want to use the word skeptical necessarily but like you know open-minded but what am i looking for here what 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 how would you describe a lot of our i mean especially our core audience it's like i mean i guess they're people like us like we're just into the subject it doesn't necessarily mean that we're you know believing everything we hear but i think a lot of us love the idea of an upright walking you know hair covered creature that could still live you know undiscovered nearby mm-hmm. we might not believe it's out there um but we're certainly open to it and i think we're all sort of in love with the idea and uh fascinated by the subject that surrounds it so i just yeah, i have no to doubt. Thank, yeah. have to thank our listeners for this year cuz we're we're also nearing a milestone in downloads i haven't looked at it lately we might have already hit it for all i know but we're we're nearing a big milestone in downloads, which is crazy, I think, for Mark and I both, because for, for me, you know, I never would have expected 10 people to turn into it, tune into it every week, let alone, 
you know, the, the number that does. So anyone that takes the time and listens, um, and writes in, especially, we're just extremely thankful to you guys. I think one of the phrases, you know, the old cliched phrase as it is, but healthy, healthy skepticism kind of describes, I think the general person who listens to this show. And I think that's sort of where both of us are coming from. Certainly hoping that, you know, there's, and, and trusting that something is happening, that people are experiencing these. I, I, I refuse to think that it's all made up and everybody's lying and that there is absolutely no such thing. But as to what it is, is the great question. And I just think, like Seth said, um, we're very thankful for people, A, who listen, and B, who write in, and those who have written in have done so, so thoughtfully. And I'm pretty convinced that if we were to get all those active listeners into a room and we were there, I'm speaking only for myself, but I would feel um, like I was probably not near the smartest person in the room. And that's a that's a tribute to our listenership, I think, that they put up with our <laughs> antics. Our, our, our shared lunacy. Antics. Yeah. Um definitely. So um the year in review in general, I'm tr- I was trying to like research this, uh, because I I mean I have to be honest, I, I really don't follow Bigfoot news. Um I don't follow the gossip stuff that goes on and I don't get involved in a lot of the drama that goes on because pretty, we have our own drama constantly coming our way. So I'm constantly involved in, in my own stuff too, you know, with the movies and all that. So I don't have quite the amount of time to spend on Facebook and really watching things unfold. But even with that, I think it was a dead year in terms of like news stories and things to really dig into. Um, I don't know if you agree with me, but. Well, I think the fact that I'm you and I are both struggling to think of anything of huge significance pretty much speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that did pop to mind for me is that, and I wish I would have had more time to really research this and even go out there, but the Minnesota Iceman exhibit yeah. was at the International Cryptozoology Museum. Yeah, they um, had awesome T-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. I would have left. Yeah, and I'm uh, you know I, I'm really bewildered by that whole thing at this point. I mean, I know we even did an episode on it, mm-hmm. but it's the type of thing where the more you find out, the less you know. Mm-hmm. And I just can't really get a read on what people who seem to be in the know really think about it. Yeah, you know, I'd love to know. get Lauren Coleman's real take on what it is. Um, we have been asked for Lauren Coleman to be on this show more than any other guest, and um, I'm going to try. If you're on Facebook or whatever, tag him in a post and be like, hey, Lauren, go on Sasswet. I've I've talked to him about it, and I think he wants to at some point, but I haven't, to be honest, I haven't, I don't think I've gone back to him since I asked him last time and actually tried to schedule it. But at some point, we're going to have him on the show. And Lauren... I should make I should make Lauren one of my I didn't mean to sabotage your Minnesota Iceman, but I should make meeting Lauren one of my <laughs> yeah. highlights of the year because that well, that was pretty yeah. awesome. I got to hang out with Lauren and at uh, the Boggy Creek Festival, and that was kind of a treat for me because I didn't know I just didn't know what to expect. 
You know, you hear in the Bigfoot community, you hear plenty of stories about people. And Lauren is kind of the godfather of cryptozoology. And uh, he's he can be a little intimidating, I think, just because especially if you approach him, he just seems very for me. I'm intimidated by anyone who's more intelligent than me. And that's most people. So if you meet me and I just seem terrified of you, that's why. (laughs) Coward. Um, yeah, I'm just shaking. No and... eye contact. <laughs> that just explains a lot. My feet. Yeah. Anytime I'm with you, I never, never make eye contact. <laughs> like, hello, um, hello. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I was living vicariously through you. I hope you know that that you were being able. You're just sitting there chatting with Lauren Coleman. I mean, mm-hmm. wow, that's a bucket list issue for me. Um. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was pretty pretty awesome. This is why I should not be looking at my phone during that. We start getting comments on the Sasquatch Facebook page, and I'm eyeing them and trying to keep it going. But yeah, Deleting that was a big tr- <laughs> <laughs> that that was a big. I do that too. That was a big treat for me. I mean, there was a lot of you know, like if I was to really go into a personal. I mean, look, this year I made it out to Minerva. Uh, I hung out with the Cadens. This year I made it to Whitehall. I hung out with Brian Gosselin and Bill Brand and Paul Bartholomew. And this year I made it to Falk and got to go to where The Legend of Boggy Creek was made all in one year. Uh, I released a movie. I filmed another movie and edited it for the most part. And uh, so that was big too. But I don't want to spend a ton of time on that stuff because I'll get yelled at. So um, I had down... I, do you, did you want to keep talking about the Minnesota Iceman because I did cut you off? Yeah, no, not really. I mean, the, okay. uh, I guess I, the thing that I, my only point was that I, it's a huge enigma, and it it seems to be being treated as like uh, I don't as I don't know what I was. I'm just at a loss. So yeah, let's go on. Because um, it used to be taken as something super serious, and now I don't think it is. But nobody's really ever come out and said, yeah, it was always just a hoax to begin with. That's well, just what I know, wish it would happen. You do know? you know what Coleman's No, I don't. Okay. That's that's what I'd love to know. Yeah, it sounds like we need to Like the real behind, that. unvarnished thing. Because, I mean, he had it at the ICM. So Right. Right. Um, Watchtaw Project monograph... Um, did this come? I I'm not even 100 percent sure that it came out in 2015, but I read it in 2015, and I know I I read it late, mm-hmm. so um, I did make it through this finally um, over the course of <laughs> like six months yeah. or something. I mean, well, it's very it me, dense. I mean, there's yeah, a lot to it. It, it really is. is. It's it's dense, and I don't think anyone in the group would argue that there are parts that are incredibly dull, just because you're kind of learning what goes into being in a place like area X mm-hmm. and what actually goes into this kind of Bigfoot field work. Um, uh, but I thought the Wachita mo- uh, project monograph was, uh, if, if nothing else, it pointed toward what needs to go on scientifically. If, if a group is going to attempt to scientifically approach this thing, the type of daunting, <laughs> uh, log book, you know, recording, uh, work that's going to need to go into it. This is kind of a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. And I know you read it, at least somehow. Yeah, yeah I, I probably read 80% of it mm-hmm. very carefully. Um, mm-hmm. 
And if that was, if that did come out in 2015, because I can't remember either. I can't either. But if it, just... if it did, that might be the most significant Bigfoot thing that happened this mm-hmm. year. Just be in terms of its seriousness yes. and how thorough it was and, uh, and how candid it was, too, I thought. Uh, the mm-hmm. folks involved with that seemed to be very open about how they feel when they're there, which I really appreciate. They don't come across as sort of stoic, maverick Bigfoot hunters at all. And they, you know, they could make it say whatever they wanted to, and they're very revealing. Mm-hmm. That adds to um, the authenticity. I, I really do think it it hit back in early spring. I want to say it was early spring. Mm-hmm. So th- that's what I'm going to go with. I'm not 100% sure that's true, um, but I think that's when it came out. So I, I do, for, for my part, that that probably, in terms of Bigfooting, is the most, you know, like just straight up Bigfoot, you know, the quest for Bigfoot, that, that would probably mm-hmm. be the big one. And I'm not saying that because I'm part of the organization, really, because it took me, if I was, I would have read it. If this was like a big, big old butt kiss on my part, I would have actually read it. <laughs> back when it came out and yeah. i did not i'm sorry yeah. it has been a, a busy year yeah so well, i'm not and i will so if you're worried about that i'll go ahead and say that i think that it's all that and then some cool all right um next up the the other thing i wanted to well i mean you can step in here do you have something else you wanted to well in? i don't know you're, you'd probably be pretty uncomfortable with this but i do want to say that uh the movies that were produced through small town monsters and the connections that were made are probably more significant than you want to give credit to. And I'm not going to belabor that, but I mean, when you just stop and think about Minerva monster day and all that that was and the screening at Canton and just all of the contacts that you guys made in the library, um, you know, the speaking deals that you did, yeah, I really I believe that you know you're filling this need for non sensational, thoughtful, um, you know, storytelling, uh, and not storytelling as in spinning a yarn, but letting the stories and the people speak for themselves, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, to be to see how that was received, especially at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference with you know some of the the Bigfoot luminaries in that world yeah. sort of around and be, and being conscious of it was really pretty exciting and yeah. uh, has opened some doors for you that are, are fairly significant as well. So I just yeah, want to no. say job well done. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. And the, the, I think the big thing, and I was going to put this on the list, not the movie really, but just Bigfoot filmmaking. I would, I hope, uh, and, and I already see it happen, but I think a lot of independent minded people that are into filmmaking are going to start doing this sort of thing. I'm not saying they're going to make their own version of small town monsters, but I think you're going to see people that are into Bigfoot because listen, there's no reason not to, it's just like podcasting anymore. I Mm -hmm. mean, it it doesn't cost much to get a camera and some editing software. And I had someone reach out to me on Facebook the other day and ask me what they should do to make a documentary for, for cheap. And I said, you can make it for free. I mean, you you've got the iPhone six, which is shooting in four K now, which mm-hmm. is insane. Um, some of the I've seen tests online where people have done tests with the iPhone six against like a GH four, and it gets better footage. <laughs> so I mean, 
you know, shoot shoot with your iPhone six and edit on something like uh, HitFilm, which is a free editing software. It's fantastic free editing software. Um, make your own movies. If if something's out there that that you see a need for, uh, fill the need yourself. If I mean, if that's you know a desire you have for mm-hmm. that kind of mindset, and I think we're going to see more of this sort of thing. I mean, we kind of did already with like something in the woods, which I still haven't got around to seeing. But I mean, from what I hear, it's a really well done family Bigfoot movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're and those guys obviously saw a need, you know, they wanted to make that kind of movie, and that's the movie they made. And re- there's just no reason not to anymore. Don't you know? It's this way with everything. If, right. if there's a if there's lacking. Uh, a solid Bigfoot, you know, radio show. People started doing podcasts, and they turned their podcasts into the radio show they wanted to listen to, and that, you know, that's why we're at where we are now. And the same thing's going to happen with movies and TV, and it is already happening, but it it hasn't spread to the Bigfoot world quite, quite yet, but it's starting to. So, anyway, yeah, that's a big deal too. I totally, I I get what you're saying though. We had a, I mean, some of the best years or best days of my year probably some of the best days of my life took place over the last year and surrounded that movie so yeah great great experiences um and just yeah minerva monster day was fantastic we're bringing minerva monster day back by the way it's going to be awesome uh 2016 september keep an eye out um from that i wanted to jump over to a death um (laughs) uh paul gosselin died in um the same well this is what we've been saying but from what i'm reading in the obituary um his death actually occurred on may 17th so i guess wait yeah that actually is it um i'm just trying to find out what day he actually died um may 16th it was at the conference so so yeah paul paul goslin for those that don't know uh was one of the teenagers involved in the whitehall uh, sighting of the creature, you know, on a bear road. And, um, this is a weird thing because at the time I knew we were going to make beast of Whitehall, but I didn't know much about Paul Gosselin other than he was one of the kids in the car and that he saw this Bigfoot. But what happened over the course of the last year while I was making this movie is I became really attached to that guy. <laughs> like, oh. um, uh, just staring at his photo every day when I'm editing and stuff like that, you know, like you're, you're going through and you have, we have audio tape interviews with him and stuff like that. And you just kind of become attached to the guy. And so now when I was sitting here trying to come up with stories to talk about, I did look back on that and that was, um, people probably didn't realize it, but Paul was really into this subject and he was really into Bigfoot and a, and a big part of that had to do with the fact that he saw this creature on a bear road and, um, without his death, um, I'm not sure we would have made this movie because I think we probably would have fe- felt like we had more time. Uh, but because of his death and then Dan Gordon's death, which I think it occurred earlier, it was, it felt very pressing that we had to go get this story down. And again, I'm not trying to turn this into like small town monsters uh, episode. I'm just saying like, this was a big deal for my year. And, and I think if people understand that a lot of these people, these original witnesses are, you know, fading away uh, because of, you know, passage of time and age and all that. Um, it becomes more important to actually get their own words, you know, down what happened. Um, so so for me, this was a huge event in the year. It was the death of Paul Gosselin. So I don't know. You've seen the movie already. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you 
if I don't even know, were you aware that he had died when it yes. happened? Yes. Yes. Okay. And it it explains to me the sense of urgency that you had to get that story told. Yeah, mm-hmm. that you know, it's uh and I think overall there's a sense of that of uh some of these what have become somewhat legendary events, you know, though a lot of those witnesses are leaving us one by one and uh documenting those even if they even if they've spoken to researchers in the past i think it's important to document them in new ways so that people will have access to them you know a lot of people may not pick up a book about bigfoot but they might watch a film or a, a, a short tv show and so it keeps those stories alive as well in that way um there, as a springboard off that, I just want to say personally, one of the highlights of my year was being able to hang out with uh, Paul Bartholomew. Yeah. That was really a blast, um, mm-hmm. in part because he's just so friendly and forthcoming with stories and information about his own experiences. You know, yeah. not all researchers are that way, as you yeah. have discovered, uh, mm-hmm. but Paul is. And just being able, you know, not only to hang out with him, but he came on... Um, Sasswat did did he or he came on uh, Monsterland yeah. Ohio radio? No, too. he's been on he's been on Sasswat. Yeah, yeah. We did the episode when we were at Burr Oak. Um, that was like all of us, right? And that was a Sasswat. So, yeah, um, yeah. Paul's awesome, and I've got to hang out with him now three times. Um, and I and I uh, I haven't announced this, and it's not official yet, but I think I'm going to be there in Whitehall for for a premiere of the movie on April first. So it sounds like we're going back to Whitehall, and we're going to do basically a. Uh, it's not going to be called Beast of Whitehall Day, but we're going to try. To, we're trying to organize something that would be a big premiere of the movie in Whitehall. So, Sasswat listeners in New York State or thereabouts, Vermont is nearby. Um, it, it would be awesome if anyone can come down to Whitehall for that because it's. I think it's going to be a fun event if we can get everything taken care of. Again, it's not one hundred percent planned yet, but. We're working on it. Where might that be screened, or is that too far ahead of the curve? It's too far ahead, although I do know where we want to screen it is in the park. Um, Not outside, but there's actually a building there. That's where I want to screen it. They also were asking for permission to screen the movie over the summer in the outdoor park. Um, (laughs) And then it's going to be on TV in in the Adirondacks, too, on Channel 8, which is... I think look TV. Um, so if you're in New York, you'll be able to catch it. Um, do you have, what else do you got here? Well, uh, you know what? As long as we're talking about that, let me talk real quick about David Floyd. Uh, um, yeah. Who we you got, got it. To, you stole yeah. the bacon. That was my, <laughs> so, and I don't want this to turn into, cause last year I remember it was like us ripping apart the Bigfoot world. And I feel like this year we're just like, uh, we love everybody. Yeah. But, um, it's, we are, it's a, we are the world sort of year. Yeah. So, but we got to, um, <laughs> we met David Floyd through the interwebs and then we, uh, smacked me later for saying that word, by the way. <laughs> um, and then we got to hang out with him at the Bigfoot conference and, uh, David was on two episodes of the show, I believe. Um, and it was one of my favorite guests that we've had on and he's just a freaking awesome guy, uh, to hang out with really funny, uh, laid back Southern dude. And, um, I don't know, just he's, he's got that kind of sass what vibe 
about him. You know, he's 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 intelligent, well spoken. I'm not saying these are things that I am. Uh, I say the word um. <laughs> I say um more than any person in history. Uh, but he he's you just did. he's yeah. It's don't I should never have pointed it out because now every listener is going to spend the rest of the episode like oh gosh he said it again. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to edit this now. I'm going to have to go through and trim out every one. Uh, but he's yeah, just David. David's an awesome guy, and and just to be connected with him is kind of a thrill for for me because he's a you know he's a he's like a next level genius, and he writes about the subject and talks about the subject in a very um, intelligent kind of way, and coming at it more from a I think a folkloric standpoint. But he is definitely into the type of stuff we are, which is like sighting reports and all the all the stuff that your typical Bigfooter loves. I think the chances of him getting on the show this year are probably pretty good because he was pretty swamped with academia in the fall. Mm-hmm. But I think he'll be able to spring free for another episode or yeah, two. Yeah, we need to have him we, back. Yeah. I've got, we're almost out of time here. I wrote down, oh, geez. Uh,. Okay, so I wrote, this one kind of plays into what we already talked about, which is just that my enjoyment of Bigfoot was kind of bolstered over the last year. Um, And I think a lot of that had to do with Sasswat and Small Town Monsters and getting to go to some of these places and just kind of ignore the overwhelming sound of drama and gossip that people get caught up in in the Bigfoot Facebook world and all that stuff and just you know like just forget it like I'm gonna tune it out and I'm gonna go to Abrae Road and look around for Bigfoot myself and just kind of enjoy that experience and I'm gonna do the same thing down in Falcon and even in my own backyard again and it was just kind of nice to re-experience Bigfoot and and enjoy it for for what I think I originally enjoyed it for which is you know just a fun cool subject yeah, I think you mentioned to me fairly recently that you had gotten back into uh, Lauren Coleman's Mysterious America. Yeah. And there is at least one and maybe two chapters in that where that's exactly what he's urging his readers to do is to, you know, it's one thing to read about the subject. It's another to go out and personally get out there with your notebook or in your case, you know, the video camera and the equipment and go to where these things took place and talk to people who had sightings and uh, make a record of what happened when you did that. And that's really the heart of this. And it's coming from a very pure place. And, you know, I think that that's, that's a very healthy place to be as we begin this new year. And uh, to keep that sort of, you know, the keep that flame burning uh, that 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 sent us to the books in the first place and mm-hmm. make doing the research cuz that's really you know that's what it's really all about yeah yeah i know it is uh so that was that was one of my big things just kind of the the enjoyment of the whole thing again the other two things i had were kind of negative rick dyer's attempted comeback which flopped and then uh the implosion of a certain podcast that was about the size of coast to coast at one point when everything happened. Yeah. Um, so those were two two of the other big stories this year. But we've talked ad nauseum about both of those things. Maybe not Rick Dyer, actually. But uh, 
so so I don't really have much to say about either of the other ones, and I'm not saying one thing or the the other positive or negative about them <laughs> right now. Good heavens, my dog <laughs> making a sneak sneak appearance on the show. <laughs> um, so anyway, that that about does it for my my version of the list. Well, I think you've got mine too. Those were those were the biggies. I mean, it at the end of the day, it was really about the the people that we made connections with. And you mentioned folks like David Floyd, uh, Paul Bartholomew. We did have to, I think we had better say it was pretty bittersweet when our friend Shannon had to go back to mm-hmm. the great Southwest because she's yeah. been such a huge friend of the show. Yeah. Um, so there's that too. And Definitely. Uh, doing good very good work with uh into the fray radio yep that's that's really an amazing show which we're kind of tied to the hip at at this point <laughs> yeah. sam's become the official poster artist yeah. for small town monster so we're kind of yeah we're all kind of interconnected okay talk uh with mm-hmm. clint and matt has become kind of a there's this little trifecta now where it's it's sasuet okay talk and into the fray kind of tied together sorry about that so anyway, he's having a sighting. Yeah, he's a, trying to warn you. Sighting report. <laughs> so, all right, I better go before he flips out. So. Okay. All right, so that is our year in review episode. We're going to be back next week with uh, one of our regular. We should be back on our weekly schedule at this point. Should so. be. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Thanks for another year of Sasquatch, and we'll be here for another year. And uh, we just appreciate your support and involvement with the show. Adios. Join the conversation at facebook.com slash sasswhat. Find us on Twitter by using the hashtag sasswhat. Or you can find me on Twitter at SethBreedsLove. Mark Matsky is on Twitter at Reverend Matsky. Send your letters to sasswhatmail at gmail.com. And leave us a rating and review on iTunes. <laughs>